We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to Light Years. Andy Lou, we're recording this Monday after NFL Week 1. Just vibes are excellent, even though Team USA completely embarrassed themselves this weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing? I'm in a great mood. I'm in a great mood. We just came back from Vegas. I didn't sleep and slept in three days, so thank goodness we're doing it now. And uh, my Niners are going to the Super Bowl. I can't, I can't complain. Damn it, I can't complain. There's nothing better. Did you know this isn't 1992 anymore? That's what Steve Kerr said after Team USA lost to Germany in the semifinals. And then, I mean, did you really care if they were going to win the third place game? Honestly, I don't think they played like they did half, not half, but like Jaron Jackson, Ingram, and someone I can't remember off the top of my head didn't even play. Uh, in the final, you knew they didn't really care once they lost their chance at that. Disappointing, but what are your thoughts here? I'm going to play Steve's audio real quick. You know, it means the uh, the game has uh, you know been globalized over the last 30 years or so, and um, uh, you know these 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 games are difficult. This is um, it's, this is not 1992 anymore. Um, <clears throat> Corny. So corny. Uh, this this, this was is after the real the, NBA. That's exactly what he said. So <laughs> yeah, this so, is after the Germany game. Just after to be the clear. Germany game, right after yeah. the um, they went down by twenty because they, they can't they can't defend. I I love that everyone else that doesn't watch the Warriors every night, obviously, like we do and our listeners do, uh, are coming out in droves and uh, shitting on Steve Kerr. Now, whether it be right or wrong, I I, I don't care. I just, I think it's hilarious that people are kind of now saying the same stuff we are saying, right? It's like that quote right there. We'll talk about other stuff with Team USA too, but that quote right there is is such a loser mentality. It's listen, man, you're the most talented team, regardless of who you sent out there. That the, they didn't lose because of talent. They lost because they Daniel Tice yeah. owned them. Stop with the <laughs> we on, need man. a big man, Daniel Tice. Is six eight. He's the same size as Cam Johnson. He's maybe fifteen pounds heavier. <laughs> they just, yeah, I agree with you. It's 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 obnoxious. I, I see everyone talking about how like this is why small ball doesn't work. 
they need to they need to they need to get him beat out there. I'm like, oh, they do not. That's one guy they do not. <laughs> they do I not. mean, like, yeah, he'd he'd help because he's more talented than most sure. of the players they sent. But like, it, this wasn't about the roster. I'm sorry, it just wasn't. I think it's I think it's a cop out. I do. Like, like you said, it's a, it's a loser mentality thing. I think there was coaching mistakes up and down the roster that made notes. Like Jalen Brunson wasn't working at the beginning of the tra- – like at what point are you just going to acknowledge that the player you want to start is not the right player to start? I agree with that one. Let's talk about some other stuff. Walker Kessler, who they had on the team as a big man. If you're not going to play him at all when you're undersized and can't rebound, then why bring him? Right. Brandon Ingram. Take another wing. Yeah, right. To get get another wing. Cam Johnson didn't play uh, there near the end. Uh, Brandon Ingram, who's, I mean, I'm not sold on Brandon Ingram at all as a basketball player. But he didn't didn't make a good case for himself this tournament. (laughs) He didn't, but he also he also is good enough to play. They just didn't. He he they didn't put him in the right situation to start. Then once they benched him, he kind of. I mean, he kind of just said, hey, screw it. Like, I'm not I'm not going to play anymore, right? Like, upper respiratory, like, okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, but he essentially didn't end up playing at all near the end. So, you know, this team is always going to have a lack of chemistry um, compared to the other teams. So, like, I, I, can't, I can't bemoan that as much. I don't really blame that as much on Steve Kerr, but you're right. Like, there are certain things that they could have done. Um, and then just picking the roster, they did have more talent than any, everyone else. I also just feel like, why pick some of the guys that you ended up picking? And this is not a Trey Young thing, right? This is not a hey, they should have had Trey Young because Trey Young didn't solve any issues that they have. That's for damn sure. But they also didn't pick anybody that they should have played. Like my thing is why Kessler, why Brunson, like all these, all these things that were just kind of obvious, like you said from the beginning, that never got never got solved and it bit him in the end. They lost to Germany the way that they lost to the Lithuania. Yeah. yeah, right. The exact same way. I watched that whole game. I was like, dude, what am I watching? Exact same. It's- Guards and wings not boxing out, getting beat on the weak side for rebound, rinse, repeat. It wasn't an issue of some seven foot five gargantuan shack eating them up on the glass. No, it was just the German team was smarter and quicker to the loose ball. I mean, it's just, it was annoying. And you could, they should have taken a few different players, but it is what it is going forward. Now we know we're going to get to the Olympics. We know some of the, uh, the more seasoned play. Actually, before we talk about that, here's what I think is really lame. Why was Jason Tatum not there? Why was Devin Booker not there? Like, are, are those guys too good? I agree. To play in the FIBA World Cup now that they've already graduated off of it? I mean, I, I think it's a little you know, like the U.S. has more talent than everyone. But you look at the the players the U.S. was selecting from, a part of me is going, it's like, well, this generation of players might not be as good as the previous generation of players. You know, that's kind of part of it too. That's anyway. I, I think no, 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 no. Let's pause here. I think it's a great take. Um, I think you could throw John Moran in there, although maybe he didn't. Maybe other reasons why he couldn't play, but he's someone that. But he wasn't a, like I have to have him on my team too. You know, like right, for sure. But but you're not, Tatum, not Tatum and Booker. Tatum and Booker are good enough. Like those guys. Tatum was exactly what they needed: a big wing who knows how to rebound and do yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on, like that—that's Shea Gilgis times two, right on this stage. I mean, he's older, he's in his prime, he's been in the NBA Finals. Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to add outside of those guys are going to play in Paris, but they're not going to be starring in Paris. 
right? We're going to talk about this in about two <laughs> seconds. They're not going to be starring in Paris. So this is kind of the stage for them to do so. But, you know, maybe they think they're too good. They're probably too good. But they certainly Team USA isn't too good. They're not. They didn't even medal. Dylan Brooks dropped 39 on them. 39. Dylan Brooks, 39. That's really they're, it. <laughs> very <laughs> embarrassing. And I and I, I guess I just walk away with it going like, you have to send a bunch of 35-year-olds to win. Like, you're not like, that doesn't send the message you think it sends. You know, what you're saying is we're still dependent on the dudes we we're dependent on 15 years ago to win, which isn't, you know, and, and we'll see where American hoops goes. I think they're fine in terms of overall talent, but like a lot of these younger players, I would say, aren't as invested in winning basketball the way Steph, KD, LeBron, and that generation of players is. It's mm-hmm. a lot of guys who get paid $200 million for scoring 20 points, even if they only win 22 games a year, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you just wonder if that mentality starts, you know, bleeding into this stuff. Cause like even Ant, who I think is super talented and he wants to win a lot of habits there that are like not conducive to winning. You know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like, well, I shouldn't be surprised. Like at what level has anyone held him accountable for, for boxing out or doing any of the little things, the little things, you know, that type of stuff. Right. I'm with you there on Ant. I think I thought I was in the minority there on Ant, but I, I think you're right with that one. He's so young enough. So I think, I think he will end up figuring some of that stuff out. Some of his innate though, some, some of the, some of the, um, like off ball defense stuff. Some of the, Hey, you got to pick your right spots, attacking, shooting, scoring. But uh, this team was so, well, this team was so weird. So I mean, I don't weird. expect his passing to turn into, you know, Warriors legend, Chris Paul level or anything. But, yeah. And I, I kind of agree with you. Some of it's innate, but, but some of it's just like, I don't know how, how much have you actually been coached on the details of the game versus like, just use your athleticism to go get a bucket, you know? You, you would think Steve Kerr, maybe we'll, we'll, some of the takeaways coming out of this then before we go into the next thing, maybe uh, is Steve Kerr going to be the right coach for this team in Paris and then the years after that? Because it's, it's two different things. In Paris, Steve Kerr is going to have all the guys. They'll ten win. Guys, going ten away. guys who all get it. Yeah. yeah. They'll win going away. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's not an issue. But after that, is he the right guy to coach guys like you're saying Anthony Edwards that's coming up, but like maybe guys that don't have that mentality to always like, let's talk about Jaron Jackson, who seems to be more defensive off the court than he is on the court right now. Is he going to be the right guy to coach him? And, and some of it's unfair because Steve Kerr only gets to coach these guys for what a month, a month. And well, a half. Is it, isn't that the problem? Like Steve wants to change Anthony Edwards. That's a good point. And he, I actually think he's probably the perfect coach for Anthony Edwards over the course of two NBA seasons, not over the course of three weeks. I think you were the one who was talking about, but like tournaments made for, for a Spolstra, you know, he's not, he's not doing the long-term development. He's like, who wins right now? I make adjustments to it. Cause I don't, I, every game is game seven, you know, like that sort of heat culture mentality. Right. Uh, whereas Steve, you know, he's a teacher. It's, it's going to be like, how can we, get ant to be a better player in three years it's just like you just you just don't have the time you kept hearing him say it's like it's really hard you don't have time in a cup it's like okay well you don't have time so make decisions based off of the fact that single elimination Mm -hmm. well thankfully a hero has emerged someone is coming to save the day and who could it be 
other than LeBron James. This was the <laughs> Shams put out an article this morning. LeBron James ready to commit to 2024 Olympic team recruit fellow stars per sources. It's been a minute since I've seen something this shameless. It's just, oh man, you got to read the you got to read the tweet out, Sam. The, the, the Shams tweet is even funnier. I mean, you think it's, the tweet's better? Okay, it's, the tweet. it's it's so oh, yeah, good. It's, it is. It it's is. so right. good. I'm gonna switch it real quick. This is an all timer. Well, well, well done, Rich. Well done, well, Rich. Best in the biz. Sources: LeBron James wants to represent Team USA in Paris, spearheading a yep. group of Hall of Famers, including wow. future Hall of Famers Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. I are wow. Wow. Narrative building that it's because of LeBron Steph is going. Let's ignore the fact Steph told everyone he's going and he's been saying I'm going in 2024 every offseason. He's basically said as long as I'm healthy, I will be there. And we know he wants to go. He missed the last two Olympics because he was literally injured. So, you know, knock on wood that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> but like just trying to get the narrative out there that he is going to head the redeem team to save America, to save, to save us per usual. It is a true love of the fame from LeBron James. It never ends. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise any of us. Um, I think this is what we saw come in the moment that this, this team USA team kind of was shaky, right? Like it, it was pretty obvious. I think it's cool though. Sam, am I am I am I crazy though? I think it's cool that those are the the guys that are going to be there next year. I, I will say that. I think I think it's pretty sweet. We've never seen we've never seen Steph in the Olympic stage. I think that'll be pretty cool. He'll be thirty six, right, or something like that. And LeBron will be what forty? Thirty nine. Oh man. <laughs> as, kinda... a man as a man in his age range, I, I'm holding on to the years. Uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the medal the medal rounds will be played in Paris, but romanticizing a last dance. For some U.S. basketball legends, is only is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Is only a half truth. Oh boy! Oh God! It's just this is peak. This is peak La Propaganda, isn't? Is it not? Like, was Devin Booker going to go to the Olympics prior to LeBron contacting him? <laughs> yes. Was Jason Tatum? Yes. Was Steph Curry? Yes. And again. You never know who's going to get an unexpected injury in the sure. playoffs and changes their minds. But it's Paris. It's the Olympics. We know we're getting those guys. Anthony Davis obviously was going to go as well. Uh, Kevin Durant, of if course. those guys are going, KD's, KD will, KD's always going to do the, well, we'll see. And then when it comes around to it, if his leg is in one piece, he'll be there. K- KD's love of the game. He shows up to all. I mean, like he, 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 really he led Tokyo. About it yeah. Yeah. He, he led to Tokyo. I mean, nobody talks about it. Only LeBron comes out here and, and drops a Monday morning, you know, after they lose a bronze medal. Get like, we knew this was coming. He, of course, this was the perfect time. You got to give him that. This is perfect timing. The documentary is going to be great. This is going to be framed as what you just said. The last from Shams just said the last dance, right? These guys, it's, it, this, this is it for them. This is it for those three best players of the last decade. This is it. They're not playing any other Olympic games. They're not playing any other World Cups. Hell, they went out playing another NBA Finals game. Those three guys, they might be done, right? So th- this is kind of the, this is how they're going to go out. Like This is perfect narrative building by LeBron. He's the only one that thinks of doing this because nobody else gives a shit. 
about doing any of this. You just want to win and play. And let's be real. Steph going is why those guys are going. The minute LeBron sees Steph wants to go, he's like, no, no, no. I need to be there. I need people. I need people to say it's because of me, not because of Steph. And then it just turns into a thing. Once you have Steph, LeBron, and KD committed, everyone who matters will want to go. Yep. Damian Lillard will want to go. I don't know if they really need him, but he's going to want to go, you know? <laughs> um, Kyrie Irving will probably want to go, you know? Uh, Draymond will try to ninja his way on the team. And quite frankly, he should go because no, he, he does something none of those other guys they do. Need him. They need him. I was thinking about, by the way, the three best American bigs, AD, obviously, Bam and Draymond. Is yeah, there anyone give, else? give me Draymond. Like, give me Draymond over and and Bam quite easily over Embiid. I know it says they're recruiting him, but give me Draymond and, and Bam. I mean, come on, what are we doing? Embiid also hasn't even committed to a national team, so we don't. You know, he could he could be on the French team, could be on the Cameroon team. You know, so it's it's one of those things where it's like he holds like three citizenships, so ah. it's it's a possibility. Uh, so I'm keeping him out of the debate. Uh, but like, yeah, does this team win the gold if they have Draymond or Bam instead of Jaron? Probably. Both those guys get what Steve wants them to do innately. Yeah, so it's I less so. of a. I think it's so. less of a. I think so. It's less of a trying to teach guys three years of basketball in three weeks, which was really what Steve was trying to do, and probably the fundamental. <sighs> but by the way, you're you're right, and I and let's go back a little bit. You're right. I forgot about that. Steph did say he was committed. Like he was always he's been committed for the last year or so, last few years. <laughs> the guy that we didn't know was committed was actually LeBron. Um, yeah. And and I and and that which is which is kind of fair because he's older, but certainly wasn't a LeBron calling up these guys and saying, "Hey, can you come play with me?" Certainly wasn't that. Um. I'll find the I'll find the quotes for for the listeners. But Steph has said the one thing I haven't done is go to the Olympics. Injury, just like it, he would have gone in 2016, but as we know, he was hurt. He wasn't about to go play, so Clay and Draymond and everyone else went. He didn't get to go. 2020, you know, COVID, and he had the broken hand, like he wasn't going to go, you know, those, those things play out in weird ways. So I think he's, he's, he's classic Steph about it too. He's like, you never know, you know, try not to jinx his health, but yeah. he's like, but if, but if I'm healthy, I, I want to be there because I've never done it. They win a championship. He still go. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. He wins a championship. He will go to the Olympics and he might not show back up to the Warriors facility till Christmas, <laughs> you know, like, and we can deal with it. I'm okay yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah, Again, we'll they, you know, go, we'll go enjoy Paris in August and we'll see you. We'll see you after Thanksgiving. You know, we can take a lot yeah, of time off. That, that's fair. Hey, this team is going to be unbelievable. Can we just talk about that for five minutes? I mean, this team is going to be unbelievable if all, all barring health and stuff, but I, I talked about, Look, Steph and LeBron are the guys that everybody's going to talk about. And KD's kind of like a tier below in terms of who it's going to be talking about. But Steph and KD are unstoppable. I mean, that is as best a fit as anyone can imagine. I don't know who the starting lineup is going to be. I assume it's going to be AD they're going to throw out there. And then Jason Tatum, probably. So you've got a bunch of wings and stuff like that. But it's like Steph and KD. I mean, come on. They are not going to lose. They are not going to lose. Starting lineup will be Steph, Devin Booker, KD, LeBron. AD. That's oh. my guess. I think they'll bring Tatum off the bench. I don't also I don't think it matters if they want to put Tatum at the two and bring Booker off the bench. That's cool too. Like yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Whatever. You know, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I I you know how Steve operates. He's gonna go with some sort of seniority. And so those four guys, even though AD isn't as old or as accomplished, he's clearly their best big. 
Um, those four guys will start no matter what. And then, I don't know, it could be Booker. I mean, he could, throw, could, Mikhail, he could, could throw Mikel Bridges out there if sure. he wants a 3 and D guy. Just because sure. Steve liked that. So it's like, you know, it's a, it doesn't really matter. I'm not concerned. You can put Chris Paul out there. He can start this. That, that'll Relax. be his way to start. Relax. Relax. <laughs> hey, he wants to start, man. He wants to start. <laughs> He'll be like the Jason Kidd of this team, though, right? Like Chris Paul. Like, it's just it's just absurdly talented team. I, like, I don't care if Nikola Jokic plays for Serbia. It doesn't matter where Joel Embiid plays for or Luka Doncic. I mean, that team's mm-hmm. kind of a mess. Canada, you can bring back uh, Jamal Murray all you want. Like, Might none of that shit. Well. Well, none of that shit matters. to get him into uniform even when he's paid. So (laughs) we do this once a pod with Wiggins, by the way. It's uh, I don't know if people prove. Hey, man, he's got (laughs) something to prove. When he has something to prove, it's good for the Warriors. This week's Light Years podcast is brought to you by NBA 2K Mobile. Sam, we got a new sponsor. This is my favorite one. Look, I'm a big play games guy. And NBA 2K Mobile just came out with a game that you can play right on your phone, dude. This is as convenient as it gets. You remember those unforgettable go NBA moments? Get ready to create your own epic plays with NBA 2K Mobile. It is the must-play mobile game for basketball lovers who want to conquer the court online. You can download the NBA 2K Mobile free and start customizing your My Player and Dream Team today. There's always something new to explore. Embrace the summer vibes with intense matches on the beach cruise court. Dive in attorney mode, events, and regular updates for nonstop action. You can also unlock and collect tons of player cards to enhance your team's performance. I just unlocked a Jason Tatum card. I don't know what that means about me. That that was the card that I unlocked, but that's my guy. Future warrior Jason Tatum. <laughs> that is my guy. You can step your game up on the court. You can showcase your skills, climb the leaderboard, become a basketball legend. You can play with the virtual joystick or relax with auto mode. Again. Best of all, it's free to play on mobile. So download the NBA 2K mobile free on the App Store, Google Play. Use my promo code TATUM2KMOBILE to redeem an exclusive Jason Tatum Pearl tier card. That's code T-A-T-U-M-2-K-M-O-B-I-L-E. NBA 2K mobile. This week's Light Years podcast brought to you by Game Time. Sam, I was in New York and I wanted to catch my first ever Yankee Stadium game. Went to it last second. The app that I used to buy the tickets was Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy. All the above. The Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will actually credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without distress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Light Years, L-Y-G-H-T-Y-E-R-S, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code LIGHTYEARS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's move, let's move forward. So Mark Spears, the Hall of Famer, just inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Mark Spears notes on a report here, and because he's a Hall of Famer and he's a national reporter, we, we have to give it some level of credence. Report, Chris Paul expects to start the Warriors playing short spurts. The broader quote, 
I do expect him to start. And I think it's a five-minute spurts type of thing. I don't know that they really want his minutes high. I think they're going to try it. I could be wrong, but that's the gist I'm getting. This isn't an opinion that he's expected to start. It's what I'm hearing. He's never not started in his career. I want to point out the irony. You know it's a good way to keep his minutes down. Coming off the bench. Oh, <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you your initial thoughts. Are you do you think this is like a real thing? Do you really think he's gonna start? Or do you think this is Mark Spears just talking on a podcast in late August or early September? I feel like somebody told him. I I don't know. I, I it's a little early. It's like mid-September right now to talk about, you know. Is he going to start or not? I mean, I don't feel like these guys have even done more than maybe two workouts together. Um, we've had a couple guys on our show that have basically said, hey, these guys don't really talk about this stuff man to man until it's uh, until it's 100% a problem. Mono, so, mono. Yeah. Like, I just don't think I, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think? You're, you're usually better at these takes than I like. I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure. You know how I feel. I think he should come off the bench. I think this team is kind of screwed if, if he doesn't, but I don't You're know. You're in denial. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I think. I think that he will start some preseason games because in 2014 and 2015, Andre Godala started in the preseason. Andre didn't want to come off the bench. He's like, I'm all NBA Defensive team, I've been an Olympic gold medalist. Why am I coming off the bench for Harrison Barnes? It's the way players think, right? Nothing wrong with that mentality. They started. Then they brought him off the bench in a couple of preseason games, and I think it was easier for Steve to sell. This makes us better as a team, so buy into it. Andre didn't want to do it, but Andre's a winner. Bought into it. And I, I do think we still don't give Iguodala enough credit for, quote-unquote, sacrificing himself for the team. Because I, th- I think it did set a culture where, hey, if this guy, one of the most accomplished players on the team, is willing to check his ego at the door and come off the bench, then who am I to complain? That's how that goes. And so I think the same thing is going to end up happening with Chris Paul. Ultimately, I don't think Chris Paul has the room to demand anything. He's on a one-year deal. They basically call him an asset every time they get interviewed. I mean, how many times have they said optionality? They, they don't even refer to him as a player. They're like, we like the optionality we have. I'm like, just say you're going to trade him at the deadline if it doesn't work. That's like the vibe they're, I'm getting from them. So I think they're going to go about it the same way they did with Iguodala, only they know they can hit eject if it doesn't work way quicker. Hey, man, we'll try you starting. Ultimately, it makes more sense for you to come off the bench. It's easier to mix rotations. It'll keep you at that 20 to 25-minute mark, which is better for you at 38. We'll win more games. And if you're bought into it, Kuminga will buy in. He won't complain because Chris Paul's first ballot Hall of Famer. Who's Kuminga to complain if Chris Paul is willing to get in line? Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to, I think they're going to play it publicly a certain way. Uh, and quite frankly, if he's a malcontent about it, he'll be traded because they have optionality, as you know. <laughs> I am as a vibes guy. I, I don't. I don't like that. I, I, what you're saying makes sense. It's logical. I think it. It's certainly. It, it's more cutthroat than what the Warriors have done in the past. Um, they have to though, because this is it. This is it for them. I right? have people always asking me like, "Are you? Are you bought in? 
it, it, they've got is just they just resigned Draymond. Are you got they don't have anyone else? And I, I'm kind of like, well, I, what do you want them to do? There's really not much else they could do, right? This CP3 yeah. move was was what they what they had to do getting off that Jordan Poole contract. It was the only guy that they really could get. And um, to your point, like he could be gone in four months or yeah. so. And that's not something I think the Warriors have um, like doing They're that. Not admit to it publicly, but they they. That, that's why they keep saying optionality, dude. Yeah, such a corny <laughs> word, by the way. It's just, I just like, ugh. It, it, it uh, as the kids say, it gives me the ick. Uh, as the kids, <laughs> I could say that now. I could say, as the kids say now on TikTok. Um, it, it's, it's, it's LeBron esque because I, rarely do you see a team contend for a title that makes a move like that at a trade deadline, right? Like, and rarely do you see the Warriors ever do, even when they make those type of moves for like Andrew Wiggins, it's not for a title that season. It was ended up being for a title a season after that, two seasons after that. I don't think they want to make that move. I think they are, were okay making this gamble, knowing worst case scenario, they can make that move. Yeah. Yeah. And all things considered, like, yeah, I don't think we talked enough about how toxic the Jordan Poole contract was. Like they gave him a lot of money and he proceeded to play horrendous basketball. You think obviously they would have rather traded him for a couple wings who they weren't worried about buying day one, you know, but it wasn't out there. They just kind of had to take what they could get. Right. Yeah. The other thing I'll point out about Chris Paul for as much as we like to make fun of him for annoying his teammates. Uh, and there's a lot of examples of that. You can go back to the Clippers, you can do a little Houston, all this stuff. Every team that's got Chris Paul, year one has been good. Year one, he comes in, he brings structure. Everyone's happy with him. It's only in year two, year three, where you're like, this dude just won't stop texting me at all hours, telling kind of a little like Joe Lacob, right? <laughs> just I, I so Draymond. I, yeah, I kind of think he's going to be the good soldier year one. And I don't know if they'll even be a year two, honestly. So regardless, maybe. Yeah, he's I mean, remember when he got traded to OKC and everyone's like, wow, Chris Paul, end of his prime on a team that's tanking. That's not going to win anything. Like, who is their best player at that time? Lou Dort, yeah. you know, right. Right. And Chris Paul comes in there and he makes it work and they get to the playoffs. They weren't a talented team. They weren't going to go farther than that. But like, that's Chris Paul, you know, gets to Phoenix, does the same thing. He's a winning player. And I don't think he's. I don't think he's James Harden is basically what I'm getting at here, you know, where his malcontentness will have him cheating the game. He doesn't get out of shape. Yeah. Yes, he's stubborn and wants to do things his own way, but I think he's going to be the good soldier at least year one. The last thing on this is is uh, for me is uh, this is it for Chris Paul. This yeah. is it. This is it. He's not. He's not. I, I don't think the Lakers are going to get him. I don't think the Warriors would trade him to the Lakers. I think when this move happened, it was very clear to Chris Paul. This is probably my last best chance to win a championship without just kind of being a ten minute a player player. Right. Like, I'm sure he could play for another few years and go play for do someone. The, do that, the Jared Dudley, just be a cheerleader. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like, this is it. If he wants to win a championship, look, he might not win it the way that he wanted to in his mind. Right. Here, I'm the point guard. I'm the I'm the sure. guy that's spearhead, spearheading uh, an offense. Right. Like, <laughs> I think this is it for him to say I could still play 25 to 28 minutes a game. I, I can close some games and I could be the I could be Jason Kidd, Dallas Mavericks 
version and win a championship that way. I think he realized, or he will realize that. Maybe Steve Kerr will say that to him. Maybe, the, you know, Steve Kerr, you get paid fucking $20 million a year. Should probably say something to him about it and just have him sacrifice and come off the bench. I, so, yeah, I, I could see that. could see that. That kind of ties to our big question. You know, we're doing our 12 big questions for the Warriors this season. And my big question for this episode was, will Chris Paul accept coming off the bench? We kind of already made our cases, but I'm going to say, I'm, yes, and I'm going to take it a different direction for one last take. If he does not accept coming off the bench, I think it's time we have to admit Steve Kerr's loss is fastball. Steve Kerr got Andre Godal in 2014-15 to buy in. Remember how energetic Steve was, how much he pushed everything? Steve can't get him to buy in and just kind of goes, this is the real NBA with them looking miserable and having horrendous vibes. We gotta have a different conversation about him. Maybe he's not the energetic coach he once was, and that would be depressing. But it's been nine years since he did that, and that's kind of the seminal move that I I think started the dynasty in many ways. And he deserves all the credit in the world for getting that in order. Let's do it again. He does. He can get done with Chris Paul, and I think ultimately, I believe he will, and I believe. Ooh. He will accept coming off the bench. Woo. Um, I mean, what, 80% of coaching in the NBA is about ego management, right? And, I, you know, we wouldn't say Steve is the best X's and O's guys in the NBA. He's probably more mid-tier than elite tier there. But he is one of the best, if not the best, at managing egos, I think. He's managed a lot of tough egos. So, yeah, man, if he has to do one thing, if the contract requires him to do one thing, it's what you're saying. Get Chris Ball bought in. <laughs> Get Chris Paul bought in. I don't know. The answer for me is probably going to be no, Sam. I, I don't think so, but uh, but uh, I think your take is better than that. I, I just I just am pessimistic. You want to believe my take? I want to. I think it's better. I like it. I hope it's true. Um, I haven't watched Chris Paul day in and day out like other people. OKC, Rockets, all these teams, right? Clippers, all the all these teams. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there that I I, I haven't seen, but uh. I'm cautiously pessimistic with this one. I think I don't know. I don't think he's going to do it. But uh, yeah, Steve Kerr, you, you got to make it happen. He, he's going to be the guy. I mean, Steph is in there too. Steph and Draymond. Draymond's got to allow this to happen because he, you know, you don't want him to go go insane. But yeah, that's that's me right now. That's we me. believe. We want to believe. We are praying. <laughs> we are praying. You're going to end it with a couple minutes on football. It's a fun opening weekend. Tell me, I have a take for you. Did you not watch the Niners game and just laugh to yourself at how much Niner Twitter freaked out for nine months in the offseason over everything? And they come out here and look, quite frankly, better than they did Correct. in the last six, seven games of Brock. Because this defensive line's better than it was and last absurd. year. Absurd. Man, they looked... I was watching that game, and I'm like, damn, they look like they're in playoff form, at least in the first half. And then the second half, they looked like they were in week one, where it was like, all right, we won. We're going to screw right. around. Were and yeah. Were but after that game, I watched the Raiders and the and the uh, Raiders and Broncos, and then the Rams and Seahawks. I was flipping between the channels, and I'm like, this is not the same sport I just watched. Because those teams were, you know, fighting. It was entertaining, but it wasn't like the level of like, Drake Jackson sack, you know, Fred Warner, basically like it, the way the Niners were flying around on both sides of the ball, then turning it to just like a run of the mill to average NFL teams. 
it felt like going from like pros to college in some ways. I, I, look, man, I, to back to your take. I mean, back to your 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 take about the the off season. The things that I and and everyone else were talking and freaking out about. I think we found out just didn't matter. I mean, let's, let's go down the list. So number one was Brock Purdy's elbow. Um, turns out he had enough time to get it healthy, right? He looked great. Yeah. Uh, legs look great. Uh, number two was a backup QB battle. Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. Look, game one, they didn't need either of those guys. It could have been me as the backup quarterback. It doesn't matter. That shit was just a distraction. I think that was probably why they traded him too, right? They just did. We we didn't have to hear about Trey Lance for a week going into this game. And then number three was a Nick Bosa. They didn't need Nick Bosa to win, but yeah. Nick Bosa, they got him signed. So, like, who cares? And um, I, I will say this because I thought the, the Niners looked incredible. I was so happy watching them, even though I was still drunk from, from Vegas and I was so happy. But these Niners, it's not about week one, right? Like, it, it's, it's are they good enough to win the Super Bowl? But you watch that game. Who was the only team that was better than them or looked as good as them? Saying like the Dallas Cowboys. It's, the two best teams in the NFL are, are in the N- NFC, at least according to last night. Oh, to, to yesterday, the two best teams. I throw the Eagles. Throw the Eagles in there too. They they still look like the Eagles. Right, three got teams a little, in the NFC got a little messy, but yeah, that's funny because I'm all not. the great QBs are in the AFC. That's it just it's funny to me because all the great QBs in the AFC, and you look at the Niners and Cowboys who have the best defenses. Overrated. <laughs> I, you know, I definitely disagree with that one, but um, it's it's hilarious because the Niners and Cowboys look freaking stacked up and down the roster. Running backs, receivers, tight ends, and then on defense, defensive line, safeties, line by all that stuff. You look at these two teams and two different sports, dude. The Steelers and Giants playing, I don't know what they were playing, but the Niners, and they were on different levels, especially the Niners. Yeah. I mean, my my take on uh, the NFC is even though the Eagles kind of classic Bill Belichick had like a great game plan, but it just wasn't enough because of the talent against them with the Patriots. But my, t- my take on it is I think we're on our way to a Niners-Eagles rematch in the championship. They look so far and away better than everyone. And, you know, our, our, our guy, Guy Haberman, brought up why the one seed matters. Not only do you want home field, whoever the two seed is, they're going to end up getting having to play the Cowboys around yep. before. Yep. And – I don't think that was why the Niners lost the Eagles last year. I kind of think when Brock's elbow exploded, the game was over, period. You know, so we never know, but like it can't it can't help you to have to go through a physical tough game the week before going through an even more physical tough game. So it's gonna be interesting because the Niners play like a team who's like, we need the one seed in week one. And they feel like the 2019 Niners, where I'm like, I don't think these guys are gonna be screwing around losing games to like the Cardinals and bears for no reason. And, you know, ending up with like a 12 and five record. I think they want the one seed type of thing. And I think give yourself every advantage, right? I think their upside is way higher than the toy nine, ers And I, and I think Mm -hmm. it's because of the offense. Uh, Kyle is Kyle believe people, people text me and again, I'm not a football expert and they're, they're just like, Hey, doesn't Brock Purdy look like a more mobile version of Jimmy G? And I'm kind of like, sure, but not really because Kyle trusts Brock a lot more than Jimmy. You also, can just tell also like a more mobile version of Jimmy is like kind of a big deal. The dude like although Jimmy, although Jimmy, although Jimmy first down your guy, dude, he's, I need him to have a Vegas residency when he's done oh, playing for the Raiders. Man. Just, just, uh, you know, 
So middle-aged women can go meet and greet him for the next 40 years. He is as good looking as ever. (laughs) (laughs) He took off his helmet and I was like, God damn, this is a good looking man. Still. Kyle just still looks the part. Always looks the part. He always, I mean, he he played well. You guys won. You guys, you guys won. <laughs> it was a great game. Um, dude, I, I Brandon Ayuk's the best receiver on this team. It's not close. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is better, is the best running back in the NFL. 2019, they did not have any of that. They got Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, Debo Samuel is in the Emmanuel Sanders role, and Debo Samuel in terms of number two, and De- Debo is elite, just elite playmaker, right? So they couch seems to trust. Brock it's funny. It's it's funny because you say Ayuk's the best receiver and McCaffrey is probably the best running back in the entire league for the Niners. He's clearly yep. the best on the Niners. And I think Debo might still be a better playmaker than both of them. He just is. It just doesn't have a position. And, and to your point, yeah, like they didn't have that level of firepower in 2019, like not even close. 30 points last night. They probably could have had 45 if they really, really put the ga- foot on the gas pedal. They could have had 45. Since they got McCaffrey, the offense has been crazy. You go back to last year. His, since his first game starting, there's something like 10 or 11. No, 11 and 0 in regular season games. And take that for what you want. But since Brock has become the starting quarterback with McCaffrey, it's just been 30 plus every game. Yeah. It just. <laughs> An easy 32. Like that, that was my takeaway from the Pittsburgh game. They 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 put up an easy 20 in the first half. They score on the first drive to get to 27. And then they just go into let's just get out of week one health. Yep. yep. Like they could have put 45 on them. Yep. They could have done what they but they didn't they didn't care to. It got a little sloppy at the end. And yeah, man, it, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun to watch them all year. They they are they are must-see television. Yes. There they are. Every player is wide open. Shout out to Kyle Shanahan, who is now the best coach in the Bay Area. See, this is how quickly I flip my opinions. You know, uh, I was all out on Kyle two weeks ago. I watched game one this week and I'm Kendall Roy. It don't get better than that. It don't redemption. Get than my it's a redemption story. What, what is it? It's like uh, Gawker meets New York Times <laughs> meets Substack. <laughs> That's yeah, maybe that's that's not what we want him to know. Cut. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut uh, reference. I don't know. He, he has an fu season, as Bill Simmons would say. I think Kyle has an fu season on his on his lap because everybody criticized him, me included, all off season. And he's gonna come out here and say, "Fuck you guys! I'm gonna win a championship with Brock Purdy." It's still relevant. So good for the Niners. They look incredible. The last thing I'll say about them is none of the main guys really played in preseason, so it's hard to take anything away from it. But they are so serious. Like since the off season, you hear Kittle, Trent McCaffrey, like all those guys, Fred Warner, all those guys know this might be the last year in their window. You yeah. never know. You know, yeah. they're older. Th- these things go really quick in football. You know, yeah. they, they came out week one with the attitude of this is our year. And that's, that's like really all you want to see if you're a Niner fan, right? Like th- there's no, like, let's, feel it out and we'll see how it is it's like it's like the warriors yeah i don't know if i'll be here next year i don't know if we'll be this good next year so let's let's do everything we can it's like stuff it's like draymond it's it's like clay who's you know playing pickup every day looks like working out every day right it's similar to the warriors so hopefully and that's that's the hope that's the hope when the warriors come around we see that same attitude week one that we're seeing from the niners now we're gonna end it here appreciate everyone we'll be back